Will you join me in prayer? Father, as we come now, as we continue our worship through the proclamation of your word, we pray as the psalmist prayed, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. Lord, help us to see Christ and to be changed into his glorious likeness as a result. In his name we pray, amen. The good news, the great news, the best news of all is that God has reached out to you and to me in our greatest need. He's given us a way of deliverance to escape the eternal judgment that our sins deserve. God did that through the sacrifice of his son who lived the perfect life that we could never live and paid the penalty for our sin to bring forgiveness, reconciliation, and eternal life to all who trust in him. And now as your loving heavenly father, God continues to provide for you as his child to give you what you need, not just eternal life for the future, but eternal life right now so that you will not only survive spiritually, but spiritually thrive, to flourish, to have a fruitful life that glorifies him. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. This is one of the many passages in God's word that speaks of this, that because of this astounding truth of the gospel, the good news, our lives are completely forever changed. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. As you and I live in this broken, fallen, corrupt world, we can live with confidence, with faithfulness, with hope. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. But did you notice that the sentence doesn't end with verse 23? If you stopped with that verse, you might get the impression that the life of faith is just you and the Lord. But God says to live a faithful, hopeful fruitful life, you need what the following verses go on to say. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So you need others to encourage you and you are needed to encourage others. That means that You and I must do more than just show up once a week on a Sunday to sit next to someone in worship. You need to have significant relationships with God's people. So that is verse 24 says you can encourage others and you can be encouraged by others. Encouragement is vital. You need encouragement because you face distractions and temptations and sin that can draw you away from God. In fact, Hebrews 3:13 earlier in the book says to encourage one another daily. Daily. That's how important encouragement is. There may be someone here today who is smiling on the outside, 
but struggling on the inside. You might be sitting right next to someone who is barely able to keep going. And what could make the difference according to God's word is the power of encouragement. So we are going to look to God's word this morning to see what it says about this very important subject. In fact, scripture says, Romans 15, that God is the one who gives encouragement. Isn't that great? God wants you to live a life encouraged. Now, there are different ways that I could teach on encouragement. One way is by explaining this passage. That's a great way. Another way is we could do a word study to see how that word encouraged is used in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's another great way. But there's another way to teach on encouragement, and that is by looking at the life of someone in Scripture who exemplifies this wonderful quality, and that is what we're going to do this morning. And we will do it by considering the life of the man who some commentators believe wrote these very words in the anonymous book of Hebrews. It's a man who is mentioned many times in the book of Acts. In fact, more than most of the apostles. A man who is used by God in strategic ways in the church through encouragement. His name is Joseph. And as we consider his life, you will see the practical ways that you can be a blessing to others through encouragement. Turn to Acts chapter 4. This is the first time Joseph is mentioned in Scripture. The church is just a few days old at this point and had experienced amazing growth as many people came to faith in Christ. Now, the reality of ministry is that there are always people in need. Pilgrims who came for Pentecost, in this context, heard Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. They believed in Christ and they stayed in Jerusalem because this was the only church in the world. There was no other fellowship to go to in order to receive instruction on how to live life as a believer in Christ. So this would create a lot of additional needs in the church. In light of those needs, look at what happens. Verse 34. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as they had need. Now, this was more sacrificial than it might seem, more than just sharing money and giving. It meant selling assets that were possibly irreplaceable. It involved the risk of personal security in that day. And in the midst of this outpouring, one believer is singled out, verse 36. Now, Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth. Stop there. This man, Joseph, was born in Cyprus, an island about 160 miles northwest off the coast of Israel. And he was of the priestly tree tribe of Levi that assisted with temple worship, which is why some think that he might have written the book of Hebrews because it speaks of the superiority of Christ over the Levitical priesthood and sacrificial system. But that's not what is emphasized here about Joseph. Look again at verse 36. Let's keep reading. 
Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. What was it about Joseph that caused people to give him this wonderful nickname that means son of encouragement? Look at verse 37. And who owned a tract of land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. One reason that Joseph was called the son of encouragement was because of his giving. That's important to understand. Often when people think of encouragement, they think of maybe saying some nice words that make someone feel a little better. But true encouragement is far more than that. The Greek word encourage, parakaleo, means to come alongside to give help that is needed. It can mean speaking words of truth and grace that bring spiritual help, strengthening, supporting. And it can also mean providing practical help through this act of love for those in need. This is where encouragement begins. It starts with a perspective that looks to others and to their needs and how God might use you to meet those needs. Sometimes the need is for a word that brings truth or strength or hope. Other times, like here in Acts 4, the need is for very practical support. Let me put it this way. In this world, there are people and there are things, right? There are people that God has made, people who are eternal, and there is also temporary stuff like money and resources that God has entrusted us with. Now, it's common in this world for things like money and resources to often be valued above people. What God does in the lives of his children is to loosen our love for things and intensify our love for people. This is one way that you can tell that you are growing spiritually. Your heart is loosened toward things and it's intensified toward people. Look again at verse 32. Scripture says that these believers were of one heart and soul. And as a result, people were sensitive to the needs that people had and they gave. And it wasn't just financial needs that were met. Look at verse 33. Giving allowed the apostles to devote themselves to the ministry God had called them to, giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Ministry was possible because people gave. These believers, along with Barnabas, didn't put any requirements or stipulations on their gifts. They simply gave and trusted the leadership of the church, the leadership Christ gave to use the gift in a way that was best. So as verse 33 continues, abundant grace was upon them all. God was pleased that his children were of one heart and soul. He was pleased that his children cared for one another. And he was pleased that his children generously gave. Encouragers are givers. Listen to how Proverbs 11.25 puts it. A generous man will prosper. And then this verse 
describes generosity in a wonderful way. As he who refreshes others. That's encouragement. It's bringing refreshment to others. Encouragers are givers just like their father in heaven, who is the great, generous giver. When you give to someone, whether it's your money or your resources or your time and service, you are bringing God's refreshment to someone through encouragement. When you give to support the ministry of Christ, you are being used by God to encourage and bless so many. You won't see all the ways that you're giving is being used this side of heaven. And that's a, one reason that giving can be a challenge. You don't always see the, the direct connection, the impact that your giving is having. It's an act of faith and obedience like so many other things in the Christian life. But you've got God's word on it. Your giving does have a powerful impact. A powerful impact on others and a powerful impact on you. I didn't finish Proverbs 11.25, so let me quote the entire verse. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. When you give, it's a blessing to others, but God has designed it to also be a blessing to you. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God blesses a cheerful giver. The most joyful, fruitful, blessed people are those who, like their heavenly father, are givers. Those who encourage others by giving. So what does your heart reveal in the way that you give? The reality is, is we can give only because God has first given to us. He has abundantly given through what is called common grace. We have what we have because God so generously gives us life and breath and strength to work. He gives us sunlight and rain and, and food and, and minds and bodies. He also gives us his special grace. 2 Corinthians 8 puts it this way, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. When you give, you are following the example of Christ himself. And what a privilege that is. What a joy to be God's blessing of encouragement. To others. Turn to Acts chapter 9. This is the next time Joseph Barnabas appears in the book of Acts. And it's a critical time in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul had just become a believer. His life was completely transformed by Christ as what happens to us all in salvation. Look at verse 26. When he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was a disciple. According to Galatians 1, this was three years after Paul's conversion. Paul had been ministering in the region of Damascus during this time, and now for the first time he was 
going to Jerusalem. But the other believers are fearful. They're not sure. They're not ready to welcome him. They have doubt and uncertainty. After all, this was the same guy who was ravaging the church, breathing breathing murderous threats against God's people. So their fear is understandable. Look at verse 26. You see that phrase, was trying? The Greek verb is imperfect, indicating repeated action. Paul kept trying. He kept trying, but the believers were afraid, which is also an imperfect. Every time he tried, they became even more afraid. Now, we're not told how long this lasted, but think about it. This had to be very discouraging for Paul. And at this point, God intervenes, and guess who he uses? Verse 27, but Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Again, what is encouragement? It is coming alongside someone to give help and support. Barnabas saw Paul's need. And he met it in love. He put his arm around Paul and he said to everyone, this man is a brother. Barnabas tells them how the Lord transformed Paul's life and how he had been boldly ministering, proclaiming Christ. Barnabas accepted Paul, which resulted in the believers in Jerusalem accepting Paul. What an encouragement that must have been. What a difference this made at this key point in Paul's life. Once again, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, shows us how to encourage by accepting one another. Years later, in fact, Paul would write these words in Romans 15, 7. And maybe he was reflecting on this very incident in his life when he wrote these words. Accept one another then just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. This is receiving someone in love with special concern and kindness. This is a response of encouragement to accept one another as Christ has accepted us. This is more than just a a smile and a handshake on a Sunday morning, as wonderful as that is. This is receiving someone into your life. This is understanding that another believer is a brother, a sister in Christ. And this is reflected in the many one another commands in the New Testament. Greet one another with love, having the same care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Is this true of your life? Do you realize that your relationship with other believers is an indication of your relationship with the Lord? 1 John 1, 7 puts it this way. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If your relationship with God is what it should be, then your relationship with his children will be what it should be. But if your relationship with other believers is not 
what it should be, then you can bet your relationship with God is not what it should be. So how can you and I love one another the way that God loves us, the way that God expects us as his children? Well, it starts with a right attitude. And let me explain what I mean. When you think about, say, going to worship or going to a a small group event or some other ministry, what is your attitude? Is it something like, do I want to go? Do I feel like going? Or is it, you know, I better go because someone might need me to be there. Someone might need the encouragement that I can bring. Do you understand the difference between these two attitudes? One attitude looks at an event and says, what am I going to get out of it? The other attitude is, what can I give to someone? How can God use me here? How can I show Christ's love to someone? May we grow in this Christ-like attitude and response. May God continue to do his work in our hearts to change our attitudes so that we are people who make the first move, who take the initiative instead of waiting for people to approach us. And that can be as simple as reaching out to someone that you don't know very well. It can be as as simple as inviting someone over to your home for a meal. It's going beyond the comfort zones that we all have to reaching out to people who may be different than you, but with whom you share the greatest bond of all, right? Our relationship in Christ, our faith in him. And who knows, what you do may be as significant in someone's life as Barnabas befriending a rejected believer named Paul. As Paul says in Romans 15, Christ accepted you to the glory of God. When you accept one another, God is glorified. When you follow Christ's example, he is glorified. And you bring encouragement to believers. And that also brings refreshment and joy to your own life. Turn to Acts 11. This is the next time Barnabas appears in Scripture. The church is being persecuted at this point, but God has a purpose in this. His word is spreading. Verse 21 records the result. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The scene is Antioch, a city a few hundred miles north of Jerusalem. Many people were coming to faith in Christ. And the church leaders in Jerusalem realized they needed to send someone to help with what was going on. So who do you think they decided to send? Any wild guesses? Verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. 
Are you getting the picture how crucial encouragement is? Encouragement was a major force in the early church. And it's the same powerful force in the church today. Look at verse 24. Here's the reason, another reason Barnabas was such an encourager. He was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Barnabas was yielded to the Holy Spirit who worked the fruit of Christ, the fruit of love and kindness and encouragement through his life. You see, you can't be an encourager unless you are filled with God's Spirit. What Barnabas is doing here is strengthening, building up believers. It's what 1 Thessalonians 5 says, encourage one another and build up one another. Years ago when I visited Europe with my wife, I was struck with all of the magnificent architecture. It's very different over there. Their buildings are amazing. It's not, they're not just functional like we have in our country. And once in a while, you'll see that here. You'll see something that is astounding, maybe a cathedral or a skyscraper or a massive monument. But I got to thinking how much more wonderful it is to be involved in a spiritual building project, to be used by God himself to build up his people. That is what Barnabas is doing here. And don't miss the result, verse 24, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. But as important as this opportunity for encouragement was for Barnabas, he saw another opportunity. Look at verse 25. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. This is so great. Barnabas not only saw believers who needed a ministry of encouragement, he saw a believer who needed encouragement to ministry. We can be too narrow in our concept of what encouragement is, thinking of it as maybe predominantly comforting or uplifting someone who is a little down, and that's true. But encouragement is so much more. In the New Testament, the Greek word for encouragement is rendered in different ways in your New Testament. Uh, sometimes it's rendered to comfort. Other times it's translated to invite, to exhort, to implore, to appeal, even to urge. There is a spectrum of encouraging actions that we can take, depending on the need that people have. Here in Acts 11, encouragement is exactly what Hebrews 10.24 says, stimulating one another to love and good deeds. That is what Barnabas is doing here with Paul. And you can do that too. Encouragement can take place when you see someone who is maybe on the sidelines of ministry in the church and you take the initiative. You encourage them to get involved in ministry, maybe a ministry that you're involved with. And you encourage them to do what God has called each one of us to do, to serve one another in love. That is a key way to spiritually build up a brother or sister in Christ. And who knows how God will work, what he will do as a result. Look at what happened in verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So now both Barnabas and Paul are encouraging these believers. It's having a multiplying effect. They're strengthening them, building them up. How? By teaching God's word. Listen, there's no better way to strengthen someone, to build up someone spiritually than through God's word. Now you might thinking, well, you might be thinking, well, that sounds pretty good, but you know, I'm not a pastor. I haven't been to seminary. This probably doesn't apply to me. And you'd be very wrong. Let me show you why. It does apply to you in two very important ways. First, God, yes, has ordained the teaching of his word to be a means of great encouragement for his people, and he has chosen gifted men to do that. Second Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word, correct, rebuke, encourage. God wants to encourage you through the teaching of his word. And that's why it's so important to be in a church like this one where God's word is faithfully taught and followed so that you can be spiritually encouraged and built up. And then as the teaching of God's word impacts your life to become more and more like Christ, you will be more of an encouragement to others. But there's another way that this teaching applies to you. And if you turn to Colossians 3, you'll see what I'm talking about. In fact, you need to see this. This is so important. Yes, Christ has given pastors the gift of teaching to encourage his church to build up his church this is such a vital essential way that the lord builds up his church through the teaching of his word and not all believers have that gift of teaching we all have different gifts that christ has given us but colossians 3 is a passage addressing all believers Look at what it says in verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. This is for all believers. Each one of us is to have the word of Christ richly dwelling within us. This happens when we treasure the value of God's word. Taking it in through teaching, through our own study, through meditating on it, through obeying it, following it. So let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom to do what? To let that blessing just stop in your own life? No, teaching one another, admonishing one another. What the Lord is saying here is that he wants you to be a blessing to others. He wants the blessing of his word to not only fill your life, but overflow so that it can't help but be a blessing to others. You pass on what God is teaching you, what God is showing you, how God is blessing you in his word to others. That's what it means here in this verse, to teach one another. And that is a very important way that God wants you to encourage others. The power of God's word is unleashed when you share it with another. So when you read or study God's word or when you hear it taught, you are encouraged and then you have the opportunity to pass on that encouragement, that blessing 
to others. And God will use that to bless, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage your brothers and sisters. By the way, this is an important insight. You are not going to be an encouragement to others unless you are first encouraged yourself. That's kind of obvious, right? If you're not being encouraged in your own life, how in the world can you be an encouragement to others? But if the word of Christ is richly dwelling within you, if God's word is encouraging you, then you will be equipped by God to be an encouragement to others. So what effect did Barnabas's encouragement had? Very profound one. Paul not only taught at this church for the next year, but all three of Paul's missionary journeys were launched from this church in Antioch. Paul's life and the life of countless others was never the same after Barnabas encouraged him. Turn to Acts 15. This is the last time Barnabas is mentioned in Acts. He and Paul had set out for their first missionary journey in Acts 13. And a believer named John Mark went along to help. But halfway through, John Mark gave up. He deserted them. And now as Paul and Barnabas were looking to head out again, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, wants to give John Mark another opportunity. Look at verse 37, chapter 15. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, this wouldn't, no, this isn't a good idea. We can't use Mark. He failed. We've got to have somebody who's reliable. But Barnabas saw things differently. He saw this as an opportunity to restore someone through encouragement. It's what Ephesians 4 says, right? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can lift him up. But woe to him who falls and has no one to help him up. Listen, in life, there will be times where you will fall and you need someone to lift you up. There will be times when a brother or sister around you falls and they will need you to encourage them, to lift them up. That is the way the Lord has designed the Christian life to be, right? To love one another, to help one another. We need one another. And that is why some believers are struggling. They don't have this very important blessing in their life. How can we bear one another's burdens if we don't know what each other's burdens are? How can we pray for each other if we're not sharing our lives together? How can we encourage one another if we really don't know each other? That is why this church has what Pastor Bob announced earlier, midweek fellowships and small group ministries, opportunities to have these kind of relationships to grow closer to one another, to be able to be used by God to help one another grow spiritually by teaching one another, by praying for one another. 
by encouraging one another, and when needed, even by restoring one another. You don't want to wait for some crisis in your life to try to find someone to encourage you. You need to start now with those relationships. So we see in Scripture that Barnabas encouraged Mark by restoring him. And that's what the Lord calls you and me to do in our lives. That takes involvement, right? It takes time. It takes effort. It might even take some sacrifice. Do you know what it cost Barnabas to restore Mark? It cost him a ministry with Paul. Look at verse 39. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. This issue was so strong between these two brothers, their disagreement was so sharp that each went his own way. And this is the last account of both Barnabas and Mark in the book of Acts. It might seem like both Paul and and God were finished with John Mark. But Barnabas' encouragement had a profound impact on his life as the grace of Christ restored Mark's life. And if you take a closer look beyond the book of Acts, you can piece together a very fascinating story. When Paul writes the little letter of Philemon, it's years later in his ministry, and he says something intriguing at the end, something that's easy to overlook unless you're piecing these clues together. He says this in verse 24, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. Wow, did you catch that? Paul calls Mark a fellow worker. What in the world happened to change Paul's attitude toward Mark? Well, Mark appears again in the last letter that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 4.11. He says to Timothy, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in service. What a turnaround from refusing to have anything to do with Mark to requesting Timothy to go get this man because he is so helpful. What happened? Well, turn to the last chapter in 1 Peter and you will see. Here the Apostle Peter is in Rome writing this letter. And at the end of his epistle, he makes reference to that. 1 Peter 5.13, she, meaning the church, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greeting. Babylon is simply a cryptic term for Rome because at this point, persecution against Christians had become so intense that Peter is taking care not to endanger believers in this city by identifying them. So Peter is saying, The church here in Rome sends greeting to the other churches who will read this letter. And then he adds this, and so does my son, Mark. What? What does that mean, my son, Mark? Well, not a physical son, but his spiritual son. You see, apparently, Mark had come to faith in the book of Acts many years earlier, listening to Peter preach. 
when he was younger. And now after this failure in his life, the Lord brought men into Mark's life to encourage and restore him. Barnabas and Peter. Do you understand the significance here? What had happened to Peter before the crucifixion of Christ? Peter failed in a spectacular way as well. He denied Christ. But the Lord restored Peter. And so Peter, after that point, had a heart to restore others as well. Others who had fallen, including a faltering believer named Mark. And maybe you don't realize this, but according to historical references and tradition, Mark wrote the gospel account, the gospel of Mark, according to the perspective of the apostle Peter, the gospel of Mark, which is the second book in the New Testament. So from someone who was written off by the apostle Paul to someone who was restored to ministry, who once again became a fellow worker to the apostle and then went on to write, the gospel of Mark. That is the power of encouragement. Listen, maybe you have fallen. Maybe you have sinned against God in a spectacular way. And you are wondering if if God will forgive you and if he will forgive you, if he is ever able to use you again. Well, let me give you this word of encouragement from Psalm 86. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive. He is not just willing to forgive. He is ready, eager to forgive, abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. And as you receive that grace from the Lord, then you will not only be encouraged in your own life, but you will be empowered by God to be an encouragement to others. And listen, when you are encouraging others, you're not simply following the example of Barnabas. No, you're following with Barnabas, the example of Christ himself, the one who encouraged us, how? By giving his life so that you can be reconciled to God by accepting you with transforming grace, by strengthening you through his word, and by restoring you with his faithful, loving forgiveness. That is the encouragement that God gives to all who will receive it through faith. May you receive that encouragement that the Lord wants to give you and be used by him to encourage others. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, you have given us this benediction in your word. In 2 Thessalonians, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. How we thank you for being the God of encouragement, giving grace to all who turn to you in faith. May you bring 
that grace to those in need today, those who need forgiveness, those who need comfort, those who need restoration, even those this morning who need the encouragement to take action, to turn away from sin, to obey your word, to respond in life with a new perspective of how to be an encouragement to others. And as you do that work in our lives and through our lives, reaching out to others, may we, like Mark, be living testimonies to your grace, living testimonies to Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Creekside Bible Church, please visit our website at creeksidebiblechurch.com.